The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Okay, I'm really excited to be here today with uh, Mary Spader, our Director of Therapy for Ensign Services. Did I get your title right, Mary? Uh, as far gosh, as you know. I don't know if titles no, matter, but nobody that knows. sounds right to me. Most people don't even know what their title is. <laughs> you know, normally when I do these podcasts, I, I have a lot more familiarity with the subject matter, and today's a little bit different for me. Um, I've learned more about the topic. I actually received an email from uh, one of Mary's partners uh, a while back saying that what we're going to be talking about today really just changed their life. And they said, you've got to get Mary on. You've got to talk about this. And I reached out to Mary and, and Mary said she was excited to talk about it. So it's called heart rate variability or HRV. Um, it started to really benefit the lives of a lot of people and, and, uh, you know, I, I sometimes have been a little bit cynical of some of these things, visualization techniques and, you know, picture yourself on a sandy beach and all these things where I sometimes will roll my eyes. But Mary, why don't you start by giving us a little bit of a background as to how all of this came about? Yeah. So the wonderful thing about heart rate variability training is it's deeply rooted in science. And I actually first heard about it when um, the therapy resources were helping to develop uh, our cardiac aftercare program called Heart Park. And the cardiologi cardiologists were actually talking about heart rate variability training as a method to reduce stress um, for patients that had a cardiac event. And um, kind of coincidentally, at that same time, it seemed like the forums we were at with um, either wellness forums or um, educational forums with PT and OT and speech about five or six years ago, we're just um, starting to talk more and more about heart rate variability training and using um, biofeedback in order to train the heart. So, so this is fairly new and you hadn't heard anything about it before yeah, this point? Correct. The science of heart rate variability um, uh, just started exploding about 20 years ago. But in terms of being more in the mainstream, especially in um, in the medical field um, and, um, you know, working with patients with heart rate variability, um, with us, it's, it's fairly new. And especially um, in the mainstream, I would say, you know, six, seven, eight years. But it's really starting. So, so what, what is uh, this heart rate variability. What, and, and, and again, to use a Michael Scott, uh, why don't you explain this to me as if I were a six-year-old? Yeah, so heart rate variability is essentially the beat-to-beat -beat variances in your heart rhythm. So, um, you know, it, I think it's some, I know when I was in physical therapy school, we, we kind of, when we would take each other's heart rate, we would think of it as sort of a metronome um, or, or a steady beat. Um, when it actually where you um, want it to be a steady beat, right? 
Well, no, we actually, so the beat to beat variations and heart rate variability are just that, but you're looking actually, the healthier the heart is, the more variations in, in beat to beat um, milliseconds there are in between the heartbeats. So that's interesting to me. I, I would expect, uh, you know, ignorant uh, person who has studied accounting me would expect that, that consistency and stability would be uh, signs of a healthy heart. And you're saying the opposite of that is true. Yeah, it's a little counter counterintuitive because I think we, you know, we have heard phrases like, you know, steady as he goes or things like uh -huh. that, or lowering your heart rate um, for a, heart, a healthier heart. But actually, the the variability is sort of like, um, I think of it as like a flexible heart. So just like we might work with flexibility within our, um, our, our muscles, um, the flexibility of the heart is a heart that responds easily to stresses. It's it's um, oh, so sort it's like of, a heart stretch. This is like this yeah. is how you and SWAT, when I stretch out before I run. This right. is this is how you stretch your heart right before dealing with. Okay, that's interesting. And you think of it as um, the the more flexibility you have there, the easier you're able to respond versus sort of overreact. If you have a low heart rate variability, you tend to overreact in circumstances hmm. um, rather than respond with, with flexibility. So, so low HRV is, we're, we're trying to simplify this, bad or good? So low HRV is essentially something you do not want. I guess if you okay. could say bad, it's, it's, <laughs> It um it's something it's an it's an indicator actually of a of a disease process um, of aging. Um, heart rate variability changes um, as we age. So a teenager would have a naturally higher heart rate variability than somebody in their fifties or sixties um, because it does decline as we age. And a lot of our so a lot of the patients that are out there that have advanced illnesses have have uh, very little or low HRV, correct? Correct. Okay, so I want my heart to beat in a variable rhythm. A variable rhythm, correct. And what happens is with that vari variable rhythm essentially creates coherence um, within your autonomic nervous system. So it's um, it's a coherent pattern that happens. Uh, when your heartbeat has the variations there. What is that again? The autonomic nervous system? Yeah. So your autonomic nervous system is sort of your balance between what they call your sympathetic nervous system, which is um, your react and fight or flight, and your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest um, rest and reset. And so those, when those two systems are in balance, um, you're going to have greater heart rate variability and um, a healthier individual. Okay, so so ANS state of balance that looks like it, like it's smooth waves and they're coherent. Coherent is good. I, I'm again. I'm I'm trying to think all this out in my mind. Yeah. So so do people tend to just be one way or another? Like like would would. Uh, would a cardiologist tag one person as saying, "Oh, he he's incoherent," and 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 the other one is is coherent? How does that work? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, we do fluctuate throughout the day in whether or not we're in coherence or um, or not. You know, depending on the stressors that we have throughout our day. But each individual does have a baseline coherence. So. Um, so what, what's a baseline? What, is, what does that, can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, even, 
even, uh, you know, individuals coming into the world, we're all kind of wired differently genetically. But then stressors that happen through our childhood, maybe um, things we've watched our parents do when they react to stress, um, all of this impacts your baseline or your sort of, if I were to take a reading of your heart rate variability, it would give me an indicator of how um, just how easily you might overreact to situations um, or how easily it is for you to kind of brush things off and and, and move forward with things um, based on uh, what your baseline heart rate variability is. Hmm. And, and the baseline, does that, does that decline with age? Is that? Yeah, the baseline, it, it, it declines with age and it actually, um, it has sort of a cumulative effect, Clay. So let's say you tend to um, overreact in certain situations. Um, your autonomic system, nervous system is wired in a way that um, essentially uh, sets off an organ in your brain called your amygdala. And your amygdala is um, your fight or flight organ. So um, if you think about the proverbial, like being chased by a tiger, um, you know, as a caveman, uh, your fight or flight system is in high, um, you know, high gear at that point. Cortisol's released and you're, you know, you, you're functioning, thinking brain shuts down and you're off, um, you know, saving your life. But in our modern world, um, the body reacts the exact same way to even small triggers um, if you're if you're wired, you know, if you kind of have a high baseline. So if, you know, if your boss is yelling at you or a family member is angry with you, um, you might uh, have this constantly being fired so that your heart rate variability baseline um, is actually set at a point where um, every little trigger might set you into fight or flight or, or a sudden reaction um, versus um, a calm, you know, thought, well, well thought out response. Does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, I, is, does this mean that, uh, I mean, it almost seems like, well, there, there's not a whole lot. As I get older, I'm going to have a shorter fuse. I mean, things are going to, I'm, I'm going to react a little bit more to, to things that aren't as big a deal because I'm starting to see that. <laughs> well, the, the really amazing thing that, it, that is happening with the research right now is that this is highly trainable. We can actually train this. That's funny to me that, you know, it seems like everywhere in life, I find examples and I'm able to tie things to the office. There, there's a line <laughs> in the office where, where Dry, Dwight Schrute says, uh, that he can raise and lower his cholesterol just by concentrating on it. And then, and then Pam asks him, well, why would you want to raise your cholesterol? And he said, so I can lower it. it that almost <laughs> seems, you know, it's, it's obviously ridiculous. Is, is this one of those things it's where you're true. saying I can control my heart just by concentrating hard <laughs> enough on it? That, that seems weird to me. Well, it's, well, it's absolutely true. First of all, that it's, that it's highly trainable. Um, I don't know about the cholesterol piece, but the, the <laughs> heart rate variability I, I is there's there's um, just exploding science into this field. If you were to Google search heart rate variability training, um, every day there's more and more research, more and more evidence hmm. um, about and the training. It it doesn't involve you know hours and hours of training. It's it's um it's a deceptively easy technique that sort of taps into. Um, your your own intuitive intelligence of the heart. So do you need like equipment to do this training or how, how do you do this? Yeah. So initially um, there are uh, biofeedback devices available um, that basically give you a little window into what's happening with your heart. And as you um, just like 
if you've ever used biofeedback, it's, um, you know, the, the more that you do it, the less dependent you become on the equipment because you, you tap into that feeling of this, this heart intelligence and you tap into that and no longer need, um, the equipment once you, once you've learned, um, kind of how, how to, how to feel that state of coherence that we're trying to get into. Hmm. So, so you're saying once you sort of master what this feels like, the, the, the equipment is almost for the rookies to help you start to figure it out. And then once you really start to understand how your heart is feeling, you can almost just check it without the equipment? Yeah. I mean, I can say I still grab my my equipment, um, you know, early in the morning just because I want to make sure I'm there before I, I go go into my day. But um I think uh, a lot of times, yes, once once you feel that coherent state, you know what it feels like and you're able to kind of tap into that in the moment within stressful situations, um, of course, without having to go grab a biofeedback device. Okay. So, and the goal is I, I want to increase my HRV and coherence, Right. Uh, you know, associated with lower heartbeat, lower blood pressure. How do I? What do I? What do I do to do that? You, you, you've mentioned something about the the intelligence of the heart. Yeah, well, the, the heart intelligence. You know, you would. It, it sounds a little funny to think that the the heart has its own intelligence. I think we've always thought of so my heart has a brain. Yeah, it okay, does. That's, that's exactly weird. true. <laughs> there's, there's again. I, I know I keep going back to the research, but that's that's what fascinates me. Um, just the science behind this, and I think you know we've always been fascinated with heart anyhow just think about what it, what it does every single day p- pumping blood to um you know pumping every organ full of blood to every cell full of blood in our bodies and i think it's um amazing to think about but the the heart actually has its own intelligence and um when we tap into that it it sends far more signals to the brain and um to every other system in your body than your brain does to the heart down hmm. and because when, once we tap into that heart intelligence, it actually allows access to um, kind of our higher thinking brain and allows our um, thoughts to be more coherent, um, to be able to access intelligence right right in the moment. And this is why they're teaching it to all you know four branches of the military, um, because, um, you know, of course, our military has to be able to respond rather than a poor reaction in the most stressful situations. Um, in fact, when we were training this at our director of rehab meeting, um, we had a, one of um, our therapy resources had his son there who's, in the, who's training to be a sheriff, and he leaned over and told his dad that they were learning this exact same thing. Interesting. Um, you know, so the at, police, four branches of the military, yes. they're all tapping into this and they're finding benefits. Right. As to, so how, how would this benefit us? How, what, what does this have to do with us? Yeah, so let's, I, I guess, let's you know, take example, um, take, for example, a nurse um, in a, you know, highly stressful environment where maybe they're, um, they're delivering meds or they're, um, you know, Maybe, a lot of stress, a lot of fatigue. Yeah, maybe a lot of fatigue. And um, you tend to think of the airs as coming just from the fatigue itself, when actually, if they're in an incoherent state, um, those airs happen far more regularly. Because again, that animal reptile brain kicks in, it, does, it shuts down the higher thinking brain. Hmm. And you're basically kind of just working in a stressful state without thinking. So I mean, I, that's like a real, I guess, real life example um, that I can think of that might directly impact, especially our nursing staff who are who are constantly under 
just great, great amounts of stress with what they do every every day. Yeah, what about what about patients? Yeah, so with our pa- patients, it's it's pretty fascinating because you can um, basically like, like if we think of somebody with um, COPD and um, who has a very uh, so that's chronic obstru- obstructive pulmonary disease who has a very difficult time getting air in. Mm-hmm. So the more and, and then we're asking them to do therapy. So usually that usually wouldn't want to do it in that yeah, case, right? Yeah, they a lot it, of times that that's therapy. our refusals. Those are right. our typical refusal patients that. Um, and it, you know, rightfully so. They just um, they're they're not feeling good. They're highly anxious to do anything with us. So if we start our session with heart rate variability training, and allow them to get into a state of coherence, it's been. I mean, it's almost like we're turning on a switch with hmm. the patients, um, and it's that quickly, um, with a couple of minutes of of time, with showing them what's going on with biofeedback devices that they're shifting their whole autonomic nervous system and getting into a more um, coherent state. It's not now. And then they're saying they're ready to do therapy. They're changing their attitude. I wanted to make a distinction. It's not a relaxed state. So a lot of times you might think of, um, you know, meditation or something like that, being out in the woods, relaxing or or things like that. But this isn't, this, this isn't a relaxed state. This is actually your alert, accurate and aware right in the moment. So hmm. that again, that going back to the military, that's why it's so so useful um, with people who who need this right in the moment. It's true, we probably don't want all of our military right. sitting around, you know, in a relaxed state. <laughs> right, they could do that that's, on that's their downtime. That's a good important but distinction. But heart rate variability training is right in the moment where you're able to do this. So our patients, they reach coherence. They're not sleepy or you know, right. uh, unable to participate. They're actually their their body reaches a a, a state of balance. Where they're all of a sudden they'll stand, they'll start doing functional activities, they'll start doing things, and um, I think they even amaze themselves a lot of times with just the shift that can happen um, right in the moment with just doing again just a couple minutes of training is all we do. So you're stretching out their heart and getting them ready. Okay, so how do you teach this? This is I'm I'm curious to know how you do this. Yeah, well, yeah, actually. Um, I think the best way to do it is just to walk through a quick one minute training of what I might do with either a colleague or a patient. Okay. Um, now keep in mind, biofeedback devices help um, understand what the co- coherent um, te- te- coherent feeling feels like. And so does closing your eyes initially, but you do not need to close your eyes. You don't need to do any of that because this is right in the moment. Initially though. It's probably good. Last yeah. time you asked me to close my eyes, I lost $50 for my wallet. So. <laughs> All right, keep your eyes open. Then. I will. <laughs> um, so um, I ask people to get comfortable. And the first thing I want you to do is just start slowing your breathing down. And then once you've slowed your breathing down, maybe four to five seconds in and out, you're just going to shift your awareness to your heart. And if you're not sure what that feels like, You can either put your hand on your heart or you can picture just a warm light there. And that usually helps just understand kind of where that heart center is. And then you're going to sort of act as if you're breathing in and out of your heart. So in and out of your chest as you maintain your slow breathing. And then with that slow breathing, I want you to bring up a feeling of gratitude 
maybe joy, maybe accomplishment, maybe a pet that you love, maybe somewhere beautiful you've been. Try not to think it through. Just feel that emotion in your heart. Okay, and that's basically about a minute of training. A couple of key things with that are the, the gratitude is a lot of times a quick, um, a, a quick way to get into coherence. Um, usually people can think of somebody they're grateful for or something they're grateful for. Um, it's, it's a little trickier when you say think of a loved one or something, because if, if I think of, you know, for example, maybe my husband and he didn't take the trash out or, you know, like it, <laughs> you, you'll start thinking about some, some you know, negative things uh, along with that. That does something to your heart. And you're saying the, the, the feeling of gratitude, the thought of gratitude, yeah. actually, they're scientifically showing it. Exactly. Does something there's, to there's your heart. There's really it... interesting um, science behind that. Huh. So, and uh, and sometimes it's a place you've been. If you can kind of re-picture that scene. Uh -huh. um, again, these are all to train play. So, like once you get that coherence, like I, I'm not talking to you thinking about you know you know being out you know on the on the river or something. I'm I'm actually. You get the feeling of coherence and you're able to just kind of tap into it. But initially with the training, the heart responds to emotion and the heart re releases many, many neurochemicals into your system mm. once you tap into the emotion. So those neurochemicals are what are sort of regulating your autonomic nervous system and settling you down so that you, you're, you're in that coherent state. So oh. it, it definitely responds to emotion, just like, you know, I guess you would think of, as, you know, just... When you think about the heart, you think of, you know, your center of, of emotion or your center of love. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I, I always thought that was incorrect. I always thought we, we referred to the heart for those things, but really it was the brain. And it's almost like science is now bringing us back and teaching us that there really is the heart. Yeah. And uh, uh, a long time ago, they actually had it right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. That's, and that's it's interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. And now the science is exactly right. The science is catching up now. <laughs> so, so you're saying, you know, that I heard you say that a lot of people in, in hospitals, they'll do this training and they'll, they'll tell the nurses maybe do this technique while they're washing their hands. And Yeah, you want to try to find ways to incorporate it throughout the day. Um, again, I, when I train, I, I ask, especially when I'm training my colleagues, I, I ask them just to start with just a couple minutes a day. Um, so that might be when you're washing your hands um, at a stoplight. Um, or, you know, just things that kind of trigger. And that, that's initially how I started doing the training because um, I was you know, driving a lot. And so uh, rather than just sitting at a stoplight waiting for it to change, I would do my heart rate variability training right, you know, just right there for, you know, a minute and a half or whatever it was. And, and for you cynics out there, of which I was one, uh, I, I, I chatted with so many people before talking to Mary about this, those that really wanted Mary to do this podcast. And all just very clearly saying this has changed my life. Mm -hmm. It seems like it seems too simple, seems mm -hmm. too small to to be life changing. But but you're you pointed out the value to employees. You pointed out the value to patients uh, that that everybody can just use this. And and you're saying this lowers your stress. This this really works. Yes, it really does. I mean, if um, if you think of sort of what we talk about with pushes on the flywheel, even um, these little pushes it's not one big thing that's that is necessarily might change your health or your well-being 
but it's the small interventions that you're going to make throughout the day that can have the most profound impact. So, so how long have you been doing this then? So for me, it's been about six years. I wouldn't have um, even uh, brought this, um, you know, a- anywhere to working with pe- people I work with or with patients that had I not um, tried it myself. And I can, I can tell you, I'm a completely different parent. Um, my older kids tell my younger kids that they have it really <laughs> it's easy. It's not fair. Yeah, they don't think it's fair. They don't yeah. like this whole thing. As but... the tenth child, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> But um, yeah, for for me personally, it's had um, you know so, some pretty uh, pro- profound impact, and um, I think um, you know for for those that uh, I, I I think as it's interesting because I think I've developed greater compassion for those that do have these anger outbursts all the time because I I, I see it as just that they're not aware that they're doing this to their own bodies that they're. They're, it's sort of a um, sort of a doom loop they're in because they're they're firing off this fight or flight all the time and they're lowering that baseline they're lowering their level of coherence and I you see it as it's something that won't get better if they continue doing it that way so I I have great compassion for those that are in that state of just um, of high anxiety all the time um, it's it's so the short fuse is really just this low HRV. That needs to be. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. And then you'll you might come across people who are just very peaceful to be around, and chances are, um, they they had naturally have greater heart rate variability. Hmm. So I'm seeing the value in this for for patient care, for staff stress management, uh, leadership development. Use it in leadership development. There's mm. there's a value for that. Yeah. And I've just started talking about that probably within the past um, year or two because, you know, I always think of um, Stephen Covey or, um, you know, when he says that leadership is um, your ability to find that gap between stimulus and response. I, I, I didn't have the wording exactly right there. But if you think about that gap, so the stimulus is always going to be there. We're not going to change the stressors that come at us throughout the day um, or people that are upset or angry, but it's how we respond to that that is going to make us better leaders. And people are watching us all the time with how we respond. And if we can demonstrate that, that we're um, actually able to think things through um, before we just blurt things out, I think... Um, it empowers you, yeah. it seems like. I mean, this is Stephen Covey used that in, in between stimulus and response, there is a there is a space, right, where we have our agency to choose. We always think that we're victims to our stimulus, mm-hmm. right? I have a short fuse, so you just have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got that idea, I believe, from Viktor Frankl as Victor as he, Frankl. you know, a man's search for meaning and and uh in just saying that nobody can control that space that that space of agency for him that he gets to determine but but we seem to have tendencies as to whether or not you know how much control we have over that space and i almost feel like this activity is something that that can train ourselves to take control of that space does that make sense the yeah, space in between it, stimulus exactly. and response and it's it's um it gets me so excited because when we talk with staff about um just dealing with the situation or dealing, you know, get it. You just need to get better at that. You just, yeah, when, when just family members are angry, you just, you need to, you need to respond better. And it, or, you know, it, it gets very frustrating because um, in, intelligently. They almost we, feel like they can't. Yeah. They almost feel like they're being made angry right. by something else. Right. Right. And so if we can tap 
kind of bypass that thinking brain, tap into the heart intelligence, you're actually teaching it um, from within the heart and it, it changes behaviors. Um, hmm. So you might, you know, you know, be be upset because a leader is not doing a certain thing right, or they're constantly um, repetitively responding in a, in a certain way, and they might not just intelligently or be able to to control that. So that the heart intelligence um, can can train things sometimes much easier. And they might just say, "Well, that's who I am. You just have to deal with it." And you're saying, "You it doesn't have to be that right. way." Right. Right. That's that's interesting. That's empowering to me. I like. So can you share? You know, you can keep them anonymous if you need to, but can you share stories of the effectiveness of this? I'm I'm curious to know where you've seen specifically success here. Yeah. So, um, gosh. So I'm thinking first with just um, patient care, and actually the the company that we partner with um, called HeartMath, they specialize in healthcare because they it's like they have a unique compassion for people in healthcare who um, don't know how don't don't know how to do self care. Um, but they're, you know, out there um, helping others. So they, um, when we first started working with them, um, we first, you know, first learned it ourselves so that we could be better trainers. But then we started using with, using it with patients. Um, so we had a patient, for example, um, this one crops to mind because it was a patient that um, was frequently getting readmitted to the hospital because mm-hmm. um, this patient had heart arrhythmias. And um, so every time that heart would start fluttering and the um, variations that, that, you know, the heartbeat would go crazy, um, this patient would get very anxious and um, and to the point where so worked up where she wouldn't um, be satisfied unless she went back into the hospital. So we introduced, or um, that therapist introduced um, heart math with this patient, and um, it was it was pretty amazing to see how quickly the um, the behavior changes changed as soon as she was able to see, you know, sort of that biofeedback into so her heart. So you use the biofeedback machine yes. in this case, and yes. she was able to see with things patients, changing. With patients, we, I would say we almost always use the okay. biofeedback because they're learning. They're, again, they usually come in with very, very low heart rate variability. And so, gosh, I can even remember um, when I was training one of um, our, our um, or one of the elderly patients I was working with, I asked her to shift her awareness to the area of her heart. And she looked at me and she said, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> that's what I thought when you first told me that. Uh, okay. Right. So, um, you know, chances are that they're just at a, at a level of stress that requires the biofeedback devices even just to, to start understanding and learning the device almost that helps that shift yes i didn't even think of that i thought of it as just a measuring device but it actually is something that that helps you shift that focus to the heart right right um you okay know, but, so she started to see her heart working and yeah. and and what, what what happened so it was just if we didn't have readmissions she i mean i know that it, it sounds like a magic fix but when people <laughs> can see and, and understand they have control and that it's not completely out of their control what's going on with their health, hmm. um, and they get a window into their um, their own um, autonomic nervous system, their own way they're wired. It, so it, somebody struggling with anxiety could yeah. really use this oh, to, for to sure. very much benefit them and help them. Anxiety, of... um, depression, uh, lack of sleep, things like that all are um, almost always related to low heart rate variability, and the, all of those things are highly trainable. Um, you know, of course, in therapy, we're going to deal with more with the, the functional piece or the functional outcome of all that. 
Um, but it, it works with people who've had strokes, um, who have COPD with, um, or even after a hip surgery and they're in a lot of pain. Um, again, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of, um, just a level of calm that overcomes our patients when they when they're able to see actually what's happening and you're able to kind of talk them through some just some slowing their breathing down and things like that they realize they're in a lot more control than they thought yeah you mentioned respiratory distress that that's something that helps so tell me about uh you told me about a, a patient in Camarillo with uh that, that had dementia yeah this this patient um it was it was uh pretty interesting because with with dementia um you might not think that you'd be able to talk someone through the steps for heart rate variability training. Um, Now this, um, and there, there, we have a lot of research going on right now with higher or or, uh, more advanced stages of dementia and techniques to use. But this particular patient was in early stages. Um, We were able to, uh, or the therapist was able to use music and, um, and t- talking through some of the slower breathing techniques and I sh- and also showed her the biofeedback device. And with that, um, we had like a completely different patient. So was she having, I mean, was she having problems with outbursts and yeah, other things so, like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. That, that, so she that was they were trying um, to get under control? Um, wouldn't participate in any therapy, was having, you know, outbursts with nursing, um, uh, just uh, refusing care with nursing, things like that. And after doing some of this training, uh, it's like the nursing staff was asking if this was, you know, or what exactly they did if she was on a new medicine or things like that, because it had carryover throughout the day. So it wasn't just in the moment of the training. Because hmm. um, again, you're training that heart rate variability for, for carryover, not just in the moment. So, we, you know, we, we were able to see sort of a different patient with nursing staff after the therapy session. So all these examples of patients with COPD, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, et cetera, you, you, you've had your own experiences within your own family, right? Would you be willing to kind of share where your conversion happened there, example with your own family members? Yeah. So, um, gosh. when my... If that's too personal, we can cut this and I can throw that question out. No, you're good? This is good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, my mom, when um, she developed Parkinson's, it progressed pretty quickly. It was... Um, you know, some people can can live for many, many years, but with her, it progressed to the point where um, well, she was living with me and she was unable to um, speak hmm. anymore um, and even had a difficult time um, with being able to give hand signals or things like that. Couldn't type that. That was those functions were long gone um, by about seven years in. Hmm. So I had um, I. I I really didn't think that heart rate variability was going to work with her, even though I had seen great results in our buildings. But I decided to try it with her, and um, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, with her, she was a pianist, so um, we were able to um, just play piano. And I talked her through the technique, and she watched. Oh, she used to love watching that biofeedback device because, again, it was it was control for her. It was something that she in a disease that progressed every single day. With, with losing more function, she was able to say, no, 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 this is what I can control within this moment, within this this next, you know, 20 minutes that I'm going to control. Um, so with with her, we saw, you know, improvements in sleep, improvements of just some acceptance, you know, almost with, hmm. with the disease profit process and just less anxiety uh, um, in, in the moment. Less agitation, less outbursts. Yeah, yeah, far less agitation. Hmm. 
with her. So um, I always think if sounds if, like a great thing to use if you're operating a facility <laughs> to yeah. to really help with uh, with a lot that you're dealing with. Well, that's that's funny because we have some teams that actually do this as a team before the start of a day. Mm-hmm. So I remember going into one of our buildings that um, it was early morning before the IRO ar- arrived. And um, the, I, I came in and the team was so happy and excited and just loving is all that I can think of the <laughs> word. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? Like we're about to get audited. And they're like, we just did heart math, you know, together. We just did a, you know, the, a three minute heart rate variability training. And um, it's it, it 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 very much is contagious hmm. um, because you're. You, you do radiate out when you're in that state of coherence, you radiate out to others. And so if you ever notice if you're in a room and someone comes in in a really bad mood, how it just feels really yeah, different. It spreads. Yeah, there I mean it's that that radiate that radiates out to one another. Um, you know, what's going on with with your level of coherence, with your heart rate variability. In fact, the physician that trained me um, in the technique, after learning about heart rate variability training and the impact it has on one another and taking the Hippocratic Oath, said that he will not go into another patient room without doing 30 seconds of heart rate variability training. Because if he brings that that terrible situation he was just in into the next patient, he feels like he knowingly is doing harm to the next patient. So it's it's mm. that profound. Um, and I'm scratching the surface. Right. So the levels beneath this Sounds are... Sounds like we all are. Yeah. Sounds like everybody. Tell, tell, you, you shared an experience about your son, too. And, and Yeah, so this was actually um, very... And, and we're actually still using it with him all the time. So mm. um, Ryan, at 15, was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And this was out of the blue. I mean, this was a kid who was, like, just thriving in everything um, in high school. Just typical kid, right? Loving sports, loving life. And um, when he got this autoimmune disease, it... it um, knocked him off his feet, first of all, lost about 40 pounds. Um, We were dealing with like blood transfusions and not knowing what the next steps were. He was also on morphine because he was in such high, high, high pain. And um, they told us to wean, and and morphine's the only thing that can be used a lot of times with autoimmune disease because you you, you can't um, impact with other pain meds. You you don't want to, especially with his um, you wouldn't want to um, impact um, other, like the liver and things like that, or other parts of the body um, with other pain meds. So he was on the morphine, and they told me it would be, a month, you know, at least a month or so in the hospital before he could get weaned off. So we started using heart rate variability training with him almost immediately. And um, gosh, I'm going to tell you, kids learn this so fast. Hmm. Like they, it's almost like that coherent state is their natural state. And so he... They're just craving that natural state. And he was able to wean off the morphine. Um, I started taking pictures, you know, snapshots of what was going on. um, And he was able to wean off the uh, morphine in, you know, uh, five, six days. The nurses kept coming in. So instead of one month, Yeah, they were like, what are you doing with him? Like, what, (laughs) you know, and they were all just fascinated with what was going on. But... um, he, you're basically, you know, you're, you're microdosing all the good things going on within your body. So he was, he, he uses it still today for, for healing because it, it actually, you know, he, he loves being in that coherent state, but he actually loves the healing that he gets with it as well. So, um, you know, that's just another example that it, again, it, it was something that I wasn't sure was really going to work. And then especially as the mom, you know, telling 
um, you know, it's her son, you know, what, what to do and all this, but it, it was, it was pretty fascinating to see how quickly it worked. I know, I know some of your partners have said too, that, that as they've heard your stories, they've started, uh, you know, doing some of these things with their children mm-hmm. and how it's and trained them and, and how it's changed them. And it's, uh, this is fascinating. And it seems like it's, it's could be of such great benefit to, to really all of us. If, if anyone, so, you know, this obviously isn't a, a comprehensive podcast. If anybody needed more information, what, where do you recommend they turn if they want to know more about this and, and really, you know, practice this well? Well, I would, I would love people to reach out to me directly. I mean, I, I'm that passionate about what I've seen with the changes um, with the people I work with, with my, my family and with myself and with our patients that um, I would love to give you direction um, if they uh, reach out to mspader at ensignservices.net. Um, Careful, this is going out to all 10 of our listeners. <laughs> okay, I might be barraged by five emails. <laughs> but no, I would... I would I'd be so happy if if I had people reach out. Good, good. I, you know what? I was uh, coming into today and learning about this. I was wondering if uh, I was going to be asked to sign up for a cult, uh, <laughs> but but I, I I am a believer, and obviously I'm I'm a believer in the science and and all the things that you've talked about, and hearing your family stories and and work stories. Uh, I'm hoping this can be something that will really, you know change people's lives, both employees and partners and and uh, residents that they have and everybody that they work with. So uh, really appreciate your taking the time to, to come in, Mary, and, and excited to see what becomes of this. Thank you. Thanks, Clay. Grateful to be here. Thank you. 